to the Mariners podcast from Sports Ethos, your place for worldwide sports coverage. I'm your host, Tino Ganasius. You can find me on Twitter at TinoJr20 and the podcast at Ethos Mariners. What's going on, y'all? It's Saturday, about 11 o'clock, two hours away from the debut of one Brian Wu, uh, 23-year-old Mariners uh, starting pitching prospect. Uh, Mariners called him up to take Marco Gonzalez's place in the rotation for now. Gonzalez was sent back to Seattle for uh, an examination on his forearm. Uh, forearm fatigue, forearm injury can be a precursor for Tommy John. So uh, I think Wu, if he pitches well, is going to be in the rotation for at least a couple of starts and could become a permanent fixture in the Mariners rotation. We will cover uh, the Brian Wu scouting report and his matchup against Andrew Heaney. Uh, but first, let's talk about uh, the Mariners' uh, 2-0 loss last night uh, in Texas. This was the first game of the three-game series. The pitching matchup was Luis Castillo against John Gray. Uh, the Mariners are uh, coming into the are now seven and a half games out. Um, 29 and 28. The Rangers are 36 and 20. Uh, there were 31,685 people at this game. Uh, really, the Mariners squandered a really uh, nice pitching performance by Luis Castillo. Uh, Mariners had three hits. All three were singles. Uh, there are plenty of pitches to hit, uh, not necessarily from uh, John Gray, the starter, but certainly uh, in the last two innings, the Mariners had some pitches to hit. Uh, Mariners need to address the offense and need to address uh, the hitting approach. What I saw in this game uh, when watching is a lot of uh, chasing, a lot of kind of in-between uh, fastball and breaking ball, uh, which is good for neither pitch. And the two Mariners hitters who really have been hitting, uh, Julio and, and Jared Kelnick, aren't getting a ton of a ton of pitches to hit. So uh, first off, for me, uh, there's been a lot of talk about uh, the Mariners addressing uh, the bats, looking for a, uh, you know, they could fill the designated hitter spot. Uh, they could certainly uh, upgrade offensively at second base. Uh, but I was of the camp of kind of letting the the offense work through its slumps and and having some confidence in in the players who are on the roster currently, uh, specifically Julio and Teo and, you know, Kelnick and France, there's there's some hitting talent there, but they may need a jump start. They may need uh, something to give them some juice because as of right now, it's, it's pretty ugly. Um, I don't know what that trade would look like. I know some people bounced around the idea of Brandon Lau uh, from Tampa Bay, left-handed hitting second baseman. Uh, you know, Lau is a hits for power, low average, takes some walks. I think the Mariners have a number of hitters like that. I'd like to see someone, definitely someone who takes pitches and is patient. Um, I think one of the struggles of the offense currently is that there's so much chase uh, that the Mariners are allowing um, pitchers, starting pitchers to get deep into games. Uh, in this game, 
Uh, the Marin, there were only th eight pitches thrown by John Gray in the first in top of the first. Uh, J.P. Crawford chased uh, three one fastball that would have been ball four and flew out to left field. Uh, Ty France chased the first pitch he saw, which is an 87 mile an hour slider that was out of the zone and popped up to second. And then Julio uh, hit a middle um, semi low uh, 97 mile an hour fastball that he fouled off um, for strike one, but then uh, he flew or he grounded out to the pitcher one three on a 97 mile an hour fastball. I know that, you know, Ty France is the type of hitter that doesn't take a ton of pitches. He does foul a lot of pitch, pitches off when he's um, going well. But JP really needs to be walking. You know, that walking is honestly his best trait at the top of the lineup. And for him to chase ball four, uh, in my mind, was not a good sign and, and is um, demonstrates that he was not locked in in that at bat or in this game. So John Gray gets out of the first inning with eight pitches. Again, um, low pitch count means he's going to get deep into games if he's pitching well. And, and to me, that was uh, a sign of, of things to come. Uh, Luis Castillo was, as I said, he was brilliant. You know, I, I think he's he really is locked in. He ended up going seven innings, surrendering five hits, one run. It was earned, one walk and six strikeouts. He threw 99 pitches in those seven innings. And he took the loss to go to four and three. He did lower his ERA to two five five. Um, Seventeen of the twenty six batters he faced, uh, he threw first pitch strikes to, and he did retire thirteen of the first uh, fourteen batters that he faced, or thirteen of the first fourteen batters that he faced. Um, looked good, really. You surrender one run in seven innings, and you should be coming out with a win. Uh, as I spoke of, the Mariners did have some pitches to hit. Uh, in the top of the second, uh, Eugenio Suarez um, had a middle-middle slider that uh, he should be driving for power, and uh, he ended up popping up to set or popping up to first base. And then Cal Raleigh took a middle-middle fastball uh, for strike one on on the first pitch that he saw. Can't blame him necessarily for that. He probably wanted to go up and and take a pitch first. And I've, I've been uh, pounding the pavement for the Mariners to get deeper in account. So that's it's hard to be critical of that, but the hanging slider to Gino on pitch three or the hanging slider to Gino was a pitch he should have hit. Uh, one other note in the second inning is that this was the start of uh, the breaking ball barrage to Jared Kelnick. Uh, I think the book is out on him now that, uh, that Kelnick hits fastballs and uh, struggles with breaking pitches. And so he's seeing, breaking ball after breaking ball. And I, I really honestly can't blame opposing starters for doing that. He uh, he's currently hitting, let's see here. He's currently hitting 367 against the fastball against the four seamer with a 796 slug. And he's hitting uh, 233 with the 512 slug against the slider, uh, 192 against the changeup. 389 against the sinker, which, you know, can be considered a, a fastball or a two-seamer. Uh, 095 against the curve, 250 against the cutter, and uh, 111 against the sweeper. So, you know, that's pretty clear that, um, and if you uh, couple the pitches as fastballs, breaking pitches, and off-speed, he's hitting 345 with the 667 slug, 
against the fastball, uh, 189 with the 351 slug against the breaking ball and a 43.5% whiff rate, and uh, 278 with the 444 uh, slug against the off-speed, but also with the 45.9% whiff rate. So, again, why throw a fastball to Jared Kelnick if if uh, you don't have to, seeing as how how well he does against the fastball. Uh, tail came up top third. Um, I've been paying quite a bit of attention to his at bats because he just seems to be seems to be late on fastballs and uh, way out in front and chasing breaking balls. So the second pitch he saw was a 96 mile an hour fastball from John Gray that was straight down the middle. He fouled that pitch off in my notes uh, with that pitch. I wrote yikes because that's the kind of pitch tail Hernandez needs to be hitting out of the ballpark. Um, and he's not getting a ton of fastballs to hit. He chased a slider that was low and outside, um, 89 mile an hour slider. He actually hit that, dumped it into right field uh, for a single down the line. And he tried to stretch it into a double. I think he's trying too hard to make things happen. And he got thrown out by uh, Adelise Garcia, who has a great arm in right field. Uh, my note there says ugly. Uh, and then Mike Ford, who the Mariners called up to replace uh, Taylor Trammell, uh, swung through a ni- uh, 95-mile-an-hour fastball that was straight down the middle. On the fifth pitch that he saw, he fouled off his, a 3-2 pitch, and then on pitch seven, he ended up striking out on an 89-mile-an-hour slider that was low and in. Uh, John Gray just looked pretty brilliant. You know, his fastball-slider combo is is very similar to what the Mariners teach. Fastball up, slider low and away, um, and he was on. Jose Caballero. Uh, got hit by pitch two. I'd uh, love to see it. He, he really didn't move knowing the pitch was going to hit him. He's just a grinder. I think if Caballero starts every day for the Mariners, he is going to get exposed. I think he's probably a true 240, 250 hitter um, who could spike a 270 or 280 season uh, with a higher BABIP one year. But really, he's a nice player to have uh, as a utility player. He can cover uh, second, short, and third, probably could cover in, in the outfield in a pinch. Uh, but I like him, and I like the grit and the intensity that he brings to this team. I, I think that we'll probably see, I'm assuming Caballero gets sent down when uh, Dylan Moore is ready because they're so similar. But um, I almost would rather see uh, Sam Haggerty or Mike Ford uh, come off the roster and keep Caballero there. I just think he brings a little bit of um, a little bit of hot sauce, right? A little bit of spice, a little bit of fire uh, to this team. And I think right now, uh, especially this team needs it. Uh, so after pumping up Jose Caballero and being excited about seeing him not move as the pitch came to him and hit him, uh, of course he got picked off uh, with J.P. Crawford on, um, at bat uh, to end the inning in the top of the third because that's what the Mariners have been doing right now is, is a little bit of a, a lot of up and down. Uh, top four, uh, J.P. Crawford saw three pitches, ended up striking out on a slider that was way, way off the plate. Uh, Ty France uh, struck out on uh, the sixth pitch he saw. I do like that he went six pitches into the at-bat. Uh, Julio singled on a hanging slider. That was middle-middle. Um, he is the one hitter, as I've said previously, that I don't want to see change approach. I think him, Julio, being in attack mode is good. Uh, he's been hitting the ball extremely hard, so I'm going to 
say that that's the right approach for him at, at this point in time. Uh, Jared Kelnick change up for so I have the pitch sequence here. He the first pitch that he saw was a change up, and then he saw five straight sliders uh, that were low and in. Uh, Julio stole second on a two-two pitch, and then uh, Kelnick walked on that sixth that sixth slider. Uh, just interesting. Again, he saw two breaking balls in uh, bottom of the or excuse me, top of the first inning excuse me, top of the second inning. And then he saw change up and five sliders uh, in his next at bat. Clearly they're, they're avoiding throwing him anything, uh, any kind of velocity. Uh, and then, so Gino Suarez came up two outs, uh, runners on first and second. Uh, he swung at the first pitch. That was a slider that was low and outside. Um, definitely chased it, fouled it off. And then he fouled off a hanging slider that I, I feel like he should have hit. Um, uh, and then he ended up uh, flying out to center field on a 97 mile an hour fastball that was middle up TN to end the inning. Uh, Luis Castillo was, you know, hitting 98 with the sinker, hitting 98 with the four seam fastball, um, threw a decent number of changeups in this game. But again, just kind of uh, what you want, prototypical Luis Castillo, what you want to see from him. Uh, top five. Tails, first pitch he saw, he lined out to left. It was a really a hanging slider that um, was ended up being mid, middle middles, 98 miles an hour off the bat, an XBA of 340, so a little bit unlucky on that. Uh, let's see here, top six, uh, Jose Caballero had a seven pitch at bat. This is what I'm talking about with Caballero, right? Like we've got, we see Ty France, you know, chasing early in the count despite that six pitch at bat earlier we see jp crawford um you know seeing three pitches max right now uh, obviously julio's approach is to is to go into attack mode and um swing at early pitches so for me to see uh caballero uh see seven pitches in his at bat in the top of the sixth is is a welcome sight uh it's it's what the hitter at the bottom of the order should be doing he ended up fouling out uh, to the first baseman. But to me, that's a productive at-bat despite the out. Uh, Crawford saw a curveball slider and then and then slider, and he popped up to center field. That slider was low and outside the zone. He chased, again, two pitches and an out. It's not what you want to see from JP. And then uh, Ty France saw a changeup first pitch. Um, it was a strike, but, you know, he chased, and then he – Instead of going to right field with it, he ended up hitting it to a shortstop for a 6-3 out. Bottom six is where Castillo gave up the run. Um, Marcus Simeon had a six-pitch at-bat that he ended up singling to center field, 102-8 off the bat. Uh, Corey Seager, uh, first pitch he saw was a changeup that was belt high, but outside that he uh, hit to center field for a single. So that put runners on first and third and no outs. Uh, Nathaniel Lowe uh, on a 3-1 changeup um, ended up flying out to left field, but it was uh, deep enough to drive in Simeon for the first run, making it 1-0 Texas. Uh, Adelise Garcia, seven pitch at bat is all fastballs and sliders. Um, he ended up uh, hitting an infield single on a little dribbler to uh, to third base. And then Josh Young, the rookie third baseman, uh, lined out to 
um, Jose Caballero for a double play. It was 106.7 off the bat, hanging slider, uh, 8.30 uh xba on on that batted ball so at this point you know while luis castillo was still effective um he did give up a hard single to simeon and that line that hard line out double play to josh young i think this was was starting to, to show some cracks at this point in time uh so julio comes up top seven down one nothing second pitch he saw was a change up middle middle 89 miles an hour that he hit foul. Uh, it was a, a deep fly ball, deep fly, uh, foul fly ball that I think would have been a homer had had it been fair. But the call from Dave Sims was, I don't know. I hate to harp on him. This is a second pod in a row. I've I've been critical, but it's there's nothing worse than than an excited uh, announcer on a, a pretty clear uh, foul ball or a pretty clear fly out. Uh, just annoying to me, but you know, Dave Sims is is a homer and people love him. Uh pitch four was a slider that was up. Uh Julio didn't check his swing. He thought he did. He ended up striking out. Jerry Kelnick finally got fastballs in the top of the seventh. So first pitch was a slider that was a called strike. He got a fastball up in the zone uh that he fouled off. Looked like he was um he was anticipating a breaking ball. You can't blame him given his first couple of at bats. So he was behind on the on the 97 mile an hour fastball. I think if he was looking fastball, he would have been able to hit it. He took a 96 up for ball ones, good take, uh, pretty close to the zone. And then he uh, took a slider outside of the zone for a ball. He ended up ground uh, he grounded out to the shortstop on a curveball. Um, clearly, he was looking breaking ball, and I think he was pretty upset that he that he didn't. Uh, drive that curveball. He ended up grounding, like I said, a ground out to short. Uh, Gino chased the first uh, pitch to the fastball that was low and outside. It was a ball, shouldn't have swung at it. Tried to check his swing, strike one. Uh, then he got a middle, middle 96 mile an hour fastball from John Gray that he fouled off. In my notes, I have that this was a very much a mistake pitch. Uh, Gino should have driven this out or driven it at least for extra bases. Um, this is an example of the type of pitch that this Mariners offense needs to be doing damage on. And I just, I think they're off. Um, he ended up swinging at uh, the fourth pitch he saw, which is a slider that was uh, belt high, but on the outer half um, for strike three. So after seven, John Gray had only thrown 82 pitches. Um, if Texas wanted John Bruce Bochy, the manager, wanted Gray to go into the eighth, he surely could have. But I just think it's an impatient offense right now. You're not making John Gray work. You're not making him uh, throw fastballs, you know, by getting into hitters counts. He was certainly um, throwing strikes, but I just I think it's you've got to go deeper into counts, right? You've got to be, especially if your star in Julio is going to be aggressive early. A lot of the other hitters need to be taking pitches. So I, I just, to, to be going, you know, essentially 11 to 12 pitches per inning is is letting the, the opposing pitcher off the hook. Uh, bottom seven, Castillo came back out for bottom seven. Matt Brash was warming in the pen. Uh, he got a swinging strike three on Robbie Grossman. That was a 96 up and in. 
Uh, Travis Jankowski ended up uh, grounding out to second base. And then uh, Leody Tavares uh, flew out to left. So that was it for Luis Castillo um, after seven. Top eight, Grant Anderson, who was a really fun, interesting pitcher, came in to relieve John Gray. He's 25 years old, uh, grew up in Texas. He's actually uh, drafted by the Mariners in the 21st round uh, of the 2018 draft. He's traded to the Rangers in 19 for relief pitcher Connor Sadzik and brought up to the major leagues by the Rangers on May 29th of this year. Uh, super herky-jerky motion, super funky, kind of sidearm three-quarter delivery, hides the ball really well, kind of jumps at the hitter. Uh, not an easy at-bat. Uh, in his first outing for the Rangers, I believe he had seven strikeouts in what is two and two thirds or two and a third innings. Um, and watching him and his delivery, you can see why. Uh, Cal Raleigh saw three fastballs and then a slider that was uh, in and off the plate that he ended up popping to uh, second base. Tail Hernandez, four pitch at bat, slider, 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 and then a sinker. That was a called strike three. Uh, Mike Ford singled 107 off the bat. Sam Haggerty came in to run for him. Uh, obviously, Mike Ford's not the fastest runner in the world, and that was the tie, potential tying run. And then uh, Jose Caballero uh, ended up fouling out to the catcher for the third out. So Mariners down 1-0. Uh, bottom eight, Matt Brash came in, uh, gave up a single, a uh, soft single to Jonah Heim, and then a... Uh, an out that was lined out 102 off the bat from Marcus Simeon. And then Corey Seager hit a, uh, so Seager's at bat. There were some sequencing issues for me um, from Matt Brash uh, in, on Corey Seager's at bat. So Jonah Heim goes a second on a pass ball, but he threw Corey Seager two knuckle curves. Um, the first one, was uh way was high and out of the zone um but he showed him you know an uh really a, a letter high knuckle curve and so in in my opinion as a batter as a hitter if you see a pitch if you see two pitches in the same um like eye level at the same eye level and the same velocity in the same at bat it makes that second pitch a lot easier to hit. And so on that second knuckle curve from Matt Brash to Corey Seager, uh, he lined it into left field down the line for a double and an RBI. I just think that that was not the right choice of pitch in that situation to Seager. Um, it wasn't a horrible pitch from Brash, although Brash has very little uh, control or command as of right now. But I just didn't like the pitch choice uh, in that moment. And again, it was a you know a knuckle a pitch with bend at the same eye level to to Corey Seager. Uh, Gabe Spire came in to relieve Matt Brash to face Nathaniel Lowe. Uh, he threw him so lefty on lefty sinker sinker sinker, and then a fastball struck him out on ninety five. It was middle middle, but I think the sequence uh, is what got Nathaniel Lowe. Spire just a difficult at bat for a lefty, anyways, and then. Uh, with Seager on second, Adolis Garcia um, ended up grounding out 4-3. It was 106-6 off the bat, but Jose Caballero was positioned very well, pretty much straight up the middle. 
top nine, last chance for the Mariners. Uh, Rangers brought in Will Smith, a uh, veteran left-handed pitcher, uh, to close the game out. Will Smith really is fastball slider. Uh, the Mariners saw him in the previous series against the Rangers. Uh, he doesn't look like a dominant pitcher. He certainly, his stuff isn't great, but um, he's been highly effective so far this season. Uh, J.P. Crawford ground, uh, hit a ground ball to short on the first pitch he saw. Uh, it was a slider that was inside and belt high, hit a squiver to short uh, for out number one. Ty France popped to short on a middle-middle 80-mile-an-hour uh, middle, slider. Again, another pitch, another hittable pitch that the Mariners um, did not take advantage of. Uh, if Ty France is going well, that's a, that's a base hit for sure. And then Julio took a, uh, a belt-high strike down the middle for strike one. It was 93. Um, sometimes... <laughs> Sometimes you just want to see him be aggressive, right? I, I think that seeing, given his swinging on the first pitch as often as he does, and then to see him take this pitch here is that he's, at times he looks like he's predetermined whether he's going to swing him, swing or not, because this is a pitch he should have attacked. Uh, he fouled off a slider that was really low uh, for strike two, 0-2 count, fouled off another slider, and then ended up swinging through uh, pitch four. That was a middle-middle slider at 82. Um, once again, a pitch that he should have done damage with and uh, ended up striking out. So that was the game, 2-0 Rangers. Rangers take the first game of the three-game set. Uh, again, Luis Castillo, seven innings, one run. Uh, should have won the game given the pitching performance, but the Mariners – had three singles and one walk in this game and offense just could not get going. Uh, we will talk a bit more um, in the upcoming pods about what the offense can do uh, to improve. And, you know, so two more things I want to touch on in this pod. The first one is uh, Brian Wu is starting today against Andrew Heaney. So who is Brian Wu and why are people excited about his debut? Uh, he's 6'2", 205, uh, throws fastball, really fastball sweeper is are his two primary pitches, but he does throw a sinker and a changeup uh, to combat lefties a bit more. Uh, I have a ton of confidence in the, in the four-seam fastball and the sweeper. Uh, I think what is going to determine whether Brian Wu is a back-of-the-rotation starter or a or better is going to be the effectiveness of the sinker and the changeup to left-handed hitters. Uh, the fastballs, mid-90s, touches 97-98, um, is that same kind of three-quarters um, low delivery that we've seen the Mariners push. Uh, really effective fastball. Very interested to see what the stuff plus numbers are on the fastball after a start or two because I think they're going to be pretty darn high. Uh, the sweepers in the low in the low 80s. Um, nice pitch. Certainly his second best pitch. Uh, sinker sits right around 90. Can get a little higher than that. Um, and then the changeup is in, in the mid 80s. Uh, he's probably a five and dive starter, I think, at least um, these first few starts. That's what I would expect from him. He was a sixth round pick by the Mariners out of Cal Poly in 2021. He did have Tommy John surgery after his junior year. I think he would have been uh, a few rounds higher without the Tommy John surgery. 
he was a starter and a reliever in college. Uh, last season, he pitched in rookie, low A and high A ball, 57 innings, 53 hits, 84 strikeouts. Uh, he did have an ERA of 4.11, but clearly the stuff was there um, with the strikeouts. And this year in Double A in Arkansas, he's three and two with a 2.05 ERA, 44 innings, 27 hits, 12 walks, 59 strikeouts, and a 0.89 WHIP. He clearly has uh, put it put it together this year, and that's why he got the call up. Um, he's going to be fun. I think that uh, again, watch how he pitches to left-handers. Watch his pitch mix against left-handers. I don't think. He's going to have a hard time against right-handed hitters. Um, I expect him to not be dominant necessarily quite yet, but I think he's going to be a hard at bat for right-handed hitters. It's lefties. You got to watch with him. He is facing Andrew Heaney, left-handed starter. Uh, Heaney is, we covered in the last pod, but um, was much more effective last year as a Dodger. Has changed his pitch mix. Um, many fewer sliders this year. You're really looking at fastball changeup from him, um, well, fastball and then changeup slider equally. Uh, I think the Mariners are going to be able to hit off him. He likes to throw the fastball, and um, obviously Mariners hitters like uh, hunt fastballs and and are effective against them. So this is going to be a really fun pitching matchup. Excited to see Wu. Uh, it would not surprise me to see him pitch well. Um but it also wouldn't surprise me to see them take him out after five innings. Last uh, item to address is the, there's been a lot of criticism about the Mariners not spending money. It just came out that I think the Mariners were the most, um, I shouldn't quote this before I know, uh, basically an incredibly profitable team making a ton of money. And people have been hypercritical about the Mariners uh, unwillingness to spend money on free agent bats, specifically free agent bats. Um, so a couple of thoughts here. I've never been a huge proponent of, uh, of spending big money on free agents, really in any sport. Um, I think the Mariners, the way in which the Mariners are building this team uh, through the farm system and through some trades here and there is the way that I've always wanted the Mariners to build their team. I think it's the smart way. I think it's the sustainable way. Uh, and I just don't know, you know, where, what positions, where are you going to sign that big bat? Uh, in my mind, could you improve at up the middle at second or short? For sure. Absolutely. Um, could you ask JP Crawford to move to second base uh, to sign a shortstop, I think very much you could. Could you sign a big uh, bopper first baseman in Ty France's spot or someone who could DH? Absolutely, they could have. Um, what I wanted to do is kind of look down the list of who signed and if there was a fit and whether, and then talk about whether that would have really improved the team or not, right? So, if I look at first baseman that signed free agent deals this year, I see Jose, a 36-year-old Jose Abreu. I see a 32-year-old Anthony Rizzo who re-signed with the Yankees. I think in order to get him out of New York, you would have had to uh, pay him a lot more than the Yankees offered. Uh, 
Josh Bell signed a two-year deal with the Cleveland Guardians. He has not been very good this year. He's 30. And then the other names are Brandon Belt, Yuli Gurriel, Jesus Aguilar, you know, Carlos Santana. Now, yes, could we have brought or could the Mariners have brought Carlos Santana back for sure? And I think that would have been good for clubhouse chemistry. And he was clutch for the Mariners, but he's 37. And so offensively, what is he really contributing um, in real numbers? I think his contributions were clutch. And so we remember them uh, fondly, but he's not really over 162 game season. He's not bringing a ton to the table um, production wise. Second baseman that signed at the top of the list are Gene Segura, uh, Adam Frazier, who we had last year and we didn't want back. Uh, Josh Harrison, right? So these names aren't good either. Now, shortstop is where if you wanted to make the case, the Mariners could have signed a shortstop who would have had impact. So the, the top four names were, as we all know, Trey Turner, Carlos Correa, Xander Bogertz, Dansby Swanson. Uh, they were all somewhere between 28 and 30 years old, but they all had issues and they all were Essentially, outside of Swanson, they were $300 million shortstops uh, who are either at the prime or coming or on the downside of their prime of their careers. So Trey Turner, I think, would have been the no-brainer, but Trey Turner wanted to go uh, east and wanted to sign with Philadelphia. Uh, he's been a top offensive player uh, in the game for a long time now, but Trey Turner has been crap this year so far. And while we didn't know that was going to happen, you know, you would have had to break the bank for him and uh, and move, probably move Crawford to second base. And I think you could make the case for Tr Turner to be the guy that the Mariners should have signed. I'm glad they didn't. Um, not that I don't want Trey Turner on my team, but a what I see as a an athletic shortstop who may start to decline soon athletically. Um I think his power is going to be what we'll see go away. I do think he's going to continue to steal bags, but, you know, again, $300 million for, for a player in decline or starting his decline. No, thank you. Carlos Correa has problems with his ankle. We saw him uh, sign two different contracts, one with the Mets, one with the Giants, or not sign them, but agree to them, and then have the teams back out because of uh, – what they thought was a, a bad ankle. Um, he ends up re-signing with the Twins. But again, and I think Correa is, while he's a very good hitter, I do think he's a 290 hitter. You know, he's a little overrated offensively in my mind. I think he's going to be somewhere between 20 and 25 home runs each year. Is that an upgrade? For sure. 100% it's an upgrade. But do you want to spend $300 million on a bad ankle um, and a hitter that I think is uh, slightly overrated? Xander Bogert signed for 300 plus million with the San Diego Padres. He's 30. He's the oldest of this bunch. Uh, he's a clutch hitter. He's certainly, you know, his hit tool is nice. I would have liked to see Bogert's in a Mariners uniform. Um, but again, do you want to spend $300 million for a uh, less rangy shortstop who is a very good hitter and would have added to this lineup? but may not have made quite the impact that you would expect uh, from a contract that large. And then Dansby Swanson came off a career year. Uh, he signed a set, I believe it was seven years, $177 million contract with the Cubs. Um, but every advanced metric said that Swanson was actually not 
he was performing above his uh, talent and skill set. And so do you want to overpay for a player who you think already had his career year? My answer is no. At third base, Justin Turner, uh, Jaimer Candelario, Brandon Drury, uh, Jace Peterson, Evan Longoria. Those are the types of names you're talking about there. I don't think any of those are an improvement over a Eugenio Suarez. And I don't think any of those would have been good DHs. Uh, left field names like Joey Gallo, Andrew Benintendi, Adam Duvall, uh, David Peralta. These, these are all names that I just don't think are, you know, you knew that you wanted to give Jared Kelnick an opportunity. Obviously Julio is, is set in, in center and the Mariners gave up a, an effective reliever and a pitching prospect who probably will end up relieving in Adam Lesko for Teoscar Hernandez, who's a veteran, a run producer, a leader. Um, I To me, that was the play. Uh, a lot of Mariners fans wanted to see Brandon Nimmo signed by the Mariners. He ended up signing an eight-year deal with the Mets at, as a 30-year-old. That's a no thanks from me. Um, his greatest skill is his ability to get on base. Uh, but I would take uh, a tail Hernandez over Brandon Nimmo uh, any day of the week. Um, the one skill that he did would have brought to this particular lineup is getting deep into counts. And I would have liked to have seen that, but I think he, you know, I guess his second best skill is his defense and center. And uh, we already have Leo Rodriguez and a lot of Rodriguez's value comes from that center field range. So it's a pass for me on Nimmo, especially if it's eight years. And then you have names uh, such as Kevin Kiermeyer, Rafael Ortega, you know, uh, Odubel Herrera, Bradley Zimmer. So none of those guys are really going to help. Kiermeyer defensively in center would have helped, but again, Julio's already there. And then in right field, obviously Aaron Judge resigned with the Yankees. Uh, Mariners let Mitch Hanniger sign with the Giants. Then you've got Will Myers, Taylor Naquin. Yes, I probably would have liked to have seen them be in on Michael Conforto. Uh, Conforto as a left-handed DH uh, for the Mariners and spelling tail and right field would have been nice. Um, you could make the case for Conforto with me for sure. And then some of the DH names, uh, J.D. Martinez, Michael Brantley, Matt Carpenter, Andrew McCutcheon. Uh you know, veterans that may have helped a little bit, but the only name there who I think really would have been a a big improvement over what we have would have been Andrew McCutcheon. So when I look down this list, you know, Mariners fans are up in arms about not spending money, but you tell me who the Mariners should have signed. You tell me who would have made, truly made an impact on this lineup. Um, I think the only real place where you can talk is at shortstop and those top four shortstops you're paying at minimum 177 million over seven years people make the case that it's not my money right it's not our money it's the mariners money and the mariners make enough money that they should be spending it but i am not a believer that a any sports team should be spending for the sake of spending you signed swanson to seven years you signed bogerts to i think it was 10 or 11 years right you signed 11 years you sign Correa to six, Turner to 11. All of a sudden, you have this albatross of a contract. These guys are, are in their late 30s, not able to play short anymore, not the same hitter they used to be. What are you doing with the contract? I get playing for the present day, but 
I like the Mariners' approach. I think that they're being smart about it. I also think that there's minor league talent that the Mariners can deal for a bat. I would rather see them continue to work the fringes. I trust Jerry Depoto in finding, you know, even a, an effective um, platoon at DH would be something that that would be uh, welcomed from me. And the Mariners are still positioned to make a big free agent move in the next couple of years because the payroll is low. Um, you know, obviously Shohei Otani is going to be a free agent uh, next year. And while the Mariners, I think, would have an outside chance at him, I think that keeping payroll available for the outside chance of bringing Shohei Otani to Seattle is absolutely the right move to make. So, again, not a fan of typical big expenditures, spending for the sake of spending. Is the Mariners offense crappy right now? Yes. Would those hitters at short made a difference in the moment? Yes. Impactful enough to change the, the, uh, the dynamic of the offense thus far this season. Not really, not to me. So um, I think this is the right approach. I said that I would address the Mariners free agency uh, in this pod. Um, it's almost noon, time to get ready for uh, this debut of one Mr. Brian Wu. Uh, super excited. Should be a lot of fun. I will be back tomorrow to recap Brian Wu's start. Talk a little bit about Bryce Miller coming up next. Again, thanks for listening. My name is Tino Ganasius. This is the Mariners podcast from Sports Ethos. You can find me on Twitter at Tino Junior 20 and the podcast at Ethos Mariners, E-T-H-O-S-M-A-R-I-N-E-R-S. Take care, you guys. Enjoy this Brian Wu start. Peace.